right, so we're going to try that again, but not yet. Uh, so I, I normally don't watch you guys uh, worship because I'm kind of trapped in my craziness in the front. And so some of y'all watch because you've made fun of me this morning uh, when I'm worshiping because I like move around and I'm going crazy. I'm not extremely coordinated as far as like rhythm goes. And so like I get kind of crazy. But I looked around this morning and today's message is about overcoming. And so when we were singing, you have overcome the world, took the keys from death and hell, I looked and this is what I saw. You have overcome the world, took the keys from death and hell, join in heaven, we declare you're greater. I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not mad at you or trying to make fun of you, I promise. Stay with me. Do we believe what that says? Maybe, maybe this morning you, we don't really believe what that says. So, so let me repeat what that says. You have overcome the world, took the keys of death and hell. Took the keys of death and hell. I deserve death and hell. He has overcome the world. Now joining heaven. Joining heaven, like, like singing beside of heaven and the angels. I bet right now, I bet the angels are in heaven going, you have overcome the world. He go, Jesus, you're welcome, took the keys. And like, like, I'm just listening to these words this morning. And I'm not necessarily having great circumstances this week. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I've had some things go on and some frustrating things and some things that I'm working through in my personal life. But when I sing about he has overcome the world, took the keys of death and hell, now joining heaven, we declare you're greater. No, no, like I want to celebrate this morning with you guys and worship and get loud and get excited. So I'm asking y'all this morning, maybe you don't have Jesus in your life, so there's no reason to get excited. For everyone that has Jesus in their life this morning, we're going to get to y'all in a second, so just stay with me if you don't have Jesus. But, but if, you, if you have Jesus in your life, I'm asking y'all this morning, how y'all doing this morning? That's better, that's better. Okay, and that wasn't even part of the message, so you're welcome. That was free. So, so this morning's message is about overcoming, having victory, and it's kind of the culmination, the culmination of our Breaking Bad series because we're going to look at the end of the chapter that we've been dealing with. But when it comes to like being a champion and having victory, uh, there's things that come to my mind. I coached basketball for nine seasons at Spartanburg Christian Academy, and so every time that I think about championships, that's what comes to my mind is watching people win championships. Like, I watch sports all the time. Some of y'all might not be sports junkies like me, and I, I try not to reference it every single week because I know it probably gets old for some people if I do. But one thing that I love, I don't care if it's my team, which is, is awesome if it's my team, but I don't care who it is. Like, there's a championship about to be won. Even a sport that I don't even care about, I like to watch them. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I like softball's championship. I don't watch a lot of lady softball. It's, I don't dislike it. I just don't. I don't watch it a lot, but when a national champion's about to be crowned, I'm going to flip over to ESPN and watch them win. Just because I love the celebration part. Like, they throw their gloves in the air, and they, they, they dogpile, and they tackle each other. They, go, they lose their minds. I love it. I love to watch grown men that are getting paid millions of dollars win the Super Bowl, and they have tears running down their face, and they're crying, and they lose their minds excited, and they become champions. Like, like that's what it's all about in sports is, is becoming a champion. And when it comes to our lives, when it comes to our personal lives, uh, we, we think about overcoming, like the song says, and having champion and champion in our lives, like, like have winning, you know what I'm saying, like, like being, being great. And we're like, nah, I can't do that, can't do that. And we look at the circumstances that we have around us, right? We look at the people that do what we do, and we go, oh my gosh, if you're like me. They do it way better 
They do it way better than I do. And there's no possible way God's going to use me. Like, like I watch probably, I watch or listen to podcasts of probably five to ten messages a week. Five to ten different pastors per week uh, for a couple reasons. I like to learn from other pastors that are really good and I like to grow. And every time I listen to them, I just kind of, this is sin. I'm, so I'm admitting sin. I just go, oh my goodness, I'll never be like that. I'll never be that good. Now, I'll never, I'll never be able to amount to what they are. And ultimately what I'm telling God is, God, you need another Andy Stanley or you need another whoever I'm listening to. You don't need Mark. You don't need Mark. Victory can't really happen in this form. Victory happens in that form. And, and if y'all don't do that, that's so awesome. I'm so glad y'all don't struggle in that way. But I feel like just based on conversations I've had this week alone, with, with some people that are in here right now and some people that will be at the next service, several conversations. I feel like most of us probably struggle in that way. Like we believe people can have victory in their lives. We believe people can champion. God can use people, just not us. It's not us. Because, Pastor Mark, dude, if you know what I did in my past, Pastor Mark, I'm just not really that talented. Like it, God can use them because they are great, but, but God really can't use me. So we take the things like, um, we take the things like that we're fearfully and wonderfully made by God. We push that to the side because that's not important. Like we know it's true in the back of our minds. If, if, you've, if you've grown up knowing the Bible, you know that, that God made you. And in Genesis 1.27, it says that, that you were made in the image of God and, and that you were fearfully and wonderfully made. There's not one of you in this room, including myself. That God did not make exactly like he wanted to, design exactly like he intended to. And like we can know that here, right? I, I can preach about it. And I can know it in my heart. But believing it, God, I weigh too much. God, I'm, I'm too short. I'm all these things and I don't like it. And so God, I know you can use them. But I'll never be used. I'll never be used. And I think the thing that bothers me about the way that I feel is looking back on the teams that I coached. Because my favorite team that I ever coached, and y'all can't tell anybody this because not only 12 of them were on that team. My favorite team I ever coached, uh, we started five players like you, you do in basketball. Five, 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 six, five, eight. By the way, that's short. I don't know if y'all know this, especially for, for males. Five, 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 six, five, eight, six, two, six, two. That's a very short team. Here's a picture of these guys right here. Y'all might recognize the, the second dude. Y'all might recognize this kid. Uh, when we would roll out, I, I promise I'm not making, making this up. Little B, come out. When, when, we would, when we would roll out and Brian would be warming up, right? Like, I'm 6'4", maybe a little bit bigger than that. And so when kids are my height or a little taller, we played a team in his senior year in the state uh, semifinals that the shortest starter on their team was taller than our tallest starter. Y'all take that in. Their shortest starter out of five was taller than our tallest starter. As God is my witness, am I lying? They laughed at us in warm-ups. They, they laughed at us. Matter of fact, we played 31 games and went 26 and five. We beat Burns High School by 11 points the year they won the region championship. We beat nine 4A schools, public 4A schools. Every one of them laughed at us in warm-ups. Why? Hang on. Because they looked at Brian and Nate 
and Brian's brother up in the top left corner, Ben, and they went, five, eight, five, six, five, five. <laughs> they do what we do, right? Isn't that what we do? We look on the surface. Everybody's like, can't judge a book by its cover. Every one of us judge a book by its cover. Like, no one knew that five foot five could dunk a basketball, right? Y'all may not see it up here because he can sing really good, can he? Y'all may not see it when he's up here, but this is a freak show athlete. Like, this is the fastest white person that's ever lived on this planet. I'm telling y'all right now. Huh? Hey, B, give me a shout out. He's, he's like, there's, it's crazy. I used to call him, I used to call him Waterbug and Spider Monkey because he was like, zip, 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 zip. like, it was the fastest. You've never seen anything like it. And it's crazy. But literally, warming up, people would laugh at us. This team called Cathedral, state, state, uh, state semifinals. They went 6'3", shorter starter, all the way to 6'9". They had two six sevens. We had no chance. Like, the people sitting in the crowd, some of them knew us because they had scouted us. And so they had their popcorn out because they were like, showtime's about to happen. That little group right there, that little group right there, <laughs> they're fixing to run these cats, right? But I'm telling you, the coach, who was a young guy, it was his first year, God bless him, the Lord taught him some humility. He's sitting there, and he's got his arms folded. He's just six six. like, he's got nice hair, and he's good looking, and I Whatever, I just looked over at him and said, whatever, I'll fight. I'll still beat you up. I don't care, right? So I'm looking at him, and he's like, he's got his arms folded, and he's just like, I'm telling you, we heard them say, how is this team 24 and 5? And I, I think bad thoughts sometimes. And at that moment, like I hear him say it, and I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, we're going to show you why we're 25 and 5, because I'm counting dubs right now for this game, right? How you going to talk junk about us when we're standing there? Was that true? We heard them. And it's because they looked at what we look at. They looked at this. Uh-uh, listen. They looked at this. This is your two guard at five foot five. He didn't even play point guard. His brother did. There's no way you can start a five five kid. Thank you. And then this is what happened. This is what happened. We were really fast. And we could really shoot well. Like, the best team I've ever seen in my life, and I just happened to be a part of it. And we would throw a press on you, and it was 32 minutes of Hades, if you know what I'm talking about. Like, we, we tried to make you uncomfortable. And the end goal that we had was not that we would cause you to turn the ball over in the first 5, 10, 15 minutes. It was the last eight that we cared about, and it was putting on the nasty on them. And they were miserable. And all we were trying to do was get them to speed up. And that 6'9", and that 6'7", and that 6'5", it, it, it was eliminated. And all of a sudden, matter of fact, we started the game, and it was pretty close in the first quarter. And then in the second quarter, we hit nine three-pointers in one quarter. And they looked up, and they were like, huh, those little dudes that we made fun of, we're down 30. We beat this team, by the way. We took all the starters out for the last quarter. And we won by 29 and scored 98 points in the, in the state semifinals against a team that laughed at us in warm-ups. Laughed at us. 98 points. And they were lucky because if we wanted to be mean, we would have won by over 50 points. And that's not be, be, being conceded. We were up by over 40 in the third. And I'm going to tell you why that was the case with this group. The reason that was the case with this group is not one of them. And it's one of the only groups that I've ever been around that this was the case. Not one of them cared how many points they scored. None of them. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Man, they loved each other. Like, deep down, they loved each other. And they wanted to win. 
and they looked at their obstacle. A huge team. By the way, that team was talented. They, they didn't stink. They weren't just tall and bad. They had two losses on the season, and they had a right to feel like they should beat us. But our boys didn't look at that group and say, like, we can't beat them. They looked at their obstacle and said, together, we got this. Together, we got this. They didn't look at their individual skill and say, I, I can do this. They said, as a family, as a group, our will combined is better than their skill, and that's what we're going to rely on. And they believed in the system, and they bought in, and we did this three times. We did this three times. Next, next picture, Zach. We did that three times. We got to cut the nets down. I brought my state championship ring today. I don't bring it out much, but, like, that's the goal for everybody, right? We want to we get a ring. The way that that happens the way that you overcome, because overcome literally translates a great victory over something, becoming a champion. And the way that you truly overcome in your personal life is not to be great. So many times, like this is the tension in my life. God, I've got to be good enough for you to use me and for my life to look like this. But that's not it. That's not it. Overcoming, overcoming is not about me being awesome. Overcoming is about obedience of my will, of my personal will. Listen, overcoming is about obedience of my will rather than relying on my skill. Obedience of me to God or to the team in this case rather than relying on me. And that's, that's why I feel that way, right? Maybe that's why you feel that way today. God, if you knew what I did in my past, if you knew all the things about me, there's no possible way you would think you could use me. No, no, God doesn't care. He doesn't look at you and say, yeah, you're right, you're quiet, so, so I can't use you. You're not loud and eccentric. Or, or, yeah, when you look at yourself in the mirror, that's what I see. No, he looks and says, listen, just join up. Just believe in what we're doing. Just believe in what I'm telling you. Just follow me. So today, like, this is the tension. This is the tension. We will decide in our lives whether we believe God and follow him with our lives and believe that he has overcome the world, took the keys of death and hell, and we join him on the team declaring he's greater. Or if we'll say, God, you, you can use me and I'll be obedient, but it has to be on my terms in my way. And that's what... We're going to look at it just for the next couple minutes in 1 John chapter 5. Will you pray with me? God, I feel like, I feel like there's several people in here, Lord, this morning that need the next few minutes. And um, I know the person that needs it the most is probably me. So, God, um, I just pray that you'll, you'll move in people's hearts and you'll help us understand that truly we can have victory in every single area of our lives when our will becomes yours. So God, help us and change us. We love you. Amen. First John, First John chapter 5, and this is kind of the end. So before, uh, Zach, if you'll leave that up, before we do this, let me just remind you, because it's been a couple weeks, and if today's your first time, we're so glad that you're here. Let me just remind you about First John. First John is a comparing and contrasting book. It's a letter that John wrote, and, it's, and everything that he does, he wants you to understand 
what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to live, but he doesn't compare and contrasting darkness and light, love and hate, all these different things. He doesn't compare and contrasting. And so, so if you'll remember back, to overcome hate, you have to love. You have to let things go. You have to love. To get out of darkness, you have to let him come in and be the light. All these different things in our lives. Well, it's a culmination in chapter 5. It's the end. And this is what he's saying. If you want to be greatly used by God, this is what happens. This is how, this is how we overcome everything. This is, how, this is how overcoming really happens. This is how victory takes place in your life. And this is what John says. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ. And everyone, excuse me, that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. And so let's stop right there. If you know Jesus as your Savior and Lord, what John's saying here is, look, I've talked about love and hate. I've talked about love and hate. I've talked about love and hate. Right now, if you hate brothers and sisters, well, then maybe you're not born of God. And that's what he's trying to tell you. Like, only you know that, but maybe you're not born of God. And so this is like, hello, let, let yourself answer this question. And this is something that I'm answering. Is this the truth in my life that I have love or is hate what defines me? It's hard to answer that sometimes because it's the tension that I have in my life. By this, verse 2, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. This is the verse that's kind of got me stuck. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not. Will y'all say that word? Will you say it again? Burdensome. Burdensome. I don't have a problem. Maybe y'all feel like I do. I don't have a problem doing the right things. Matter of fact, you kind of feel better when, when you do the right thing, right? When you obey God's commandments, you're like, I can check the box. I can, I can get God off my back. I can make him not be mad at me this week. Remember Pastor Dean last week? How many of y'all read your Bible seven times every single day this past week? How many of y'all did it? That's awesome. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. That's probably close to half. Now the question is the why question. And this is the difficulty. Like, did I read my Bible every single day this past week so that God didn't hate me? Or did I do it because I, I get to? Like, and this is where... The overcoming happens. This, this, is where that, this is where that overcoming becomes an obedience of my will, not relying on my skill thing, comes in. O obedience of my will is, is me saying, God, I get to do these things for you. And me believing it's about me, and only you know this, is like, God, I will do these things for you if you bless me. Or God, I, I'll, I'll choose to do these things, but it's only so people see me and only so I'm doing good things. And maybe you don't struggle with this, but I do. I struggle really bad with this. All right, so, so, so what about money? What about money? This is an example because we put it on your offering envelopes. And so every single person that got a worship guide this morning, you have this in your, in your offering envelope. 2 Corinthians 9. 2 Corinthians 9. We put this on the back, and this is, this is what it says. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly, like obedience, but it's not burdensome. Not reluctantly 
or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. Thank you, Zach. That, that's like difficult. Because like I don't mind being obedient when it comes to like serving, right? I, I, can, I, I might could come up and serve, but when it comes to, to money, it's burdensome. You know, like, and if you've grown up in church, if you've grown up in church, you've heard tithe a lot. We don't talk about it as much here because we want this to be it. We want this to be, and I, by the way, the tithe is certainly in the Bible. I believe it's a, a, a benchmark. But like, this is what I think the tension is, and this is what I'm learning in my life. And I'm not saying y'all feel tense. What I'm saying is like, this is the, this is the pull. This is the frustrating thing. This is, again, like what John was talking about. Like, I feel pulled in two directions. I feel like light and darkness. I feel like love and hate. And, and I'm so frustrated in this area because if you give me a dollar, I don't mind giving 10 cents. But when you give me $10,000, a thousand is not nearly as fun, right? Do y'all feel that way? A thousand's not as fun to give as 10 cents. And so this isn't any good. This is terrible. Here's the reason that I feel we feel this way. But it's not just money, by the way. The reason I said this is because it was easy and it's in the back of your, uh, or in your worship guides. It's on your offering envelope. The reason I think we feel this way is because we don't really think it all belongs to God anyway. We feel like it's all mine. By the way, so are your gifts and talents, if you feel that way. If you feel that way about your finances, you feel that way about everything in your life, that it's all mine, that I do God a favor when I walk in here and I put something in the boxes where how we give or swipe on the kiosks or give online. God, you're welcome Here's 5% of my money. Look what I did for you. And listen, if you give that way, we will take it. <laughs> we will take it. But it's wrong. Matter of fact, it's sin. According to Scripture, in 1 John 5 and in this, I believe you're, you're sinning and you're missing the blessing of God. Like, like, this is what I really believe. One of the saddest things in the Bible is when Christ followers, which is most of you, when we're disobedient. One of the saddest things in the Bible is when we're disobedient. I mean, when push back and you say, you know what, God, this is about me today. But I'm not sure reluctant obedience is any farther along than disobedience because you miss all of, of what God wants to do in your life. And you do the things so God is off your back. Listen to me right now. Listen, 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 listen. God is not on your back. God does not mad at you. God loves you. He's for you. He'll never leave you. God doesn't want things from you. He wants things, he wants things for you. And he gives you everything. The Bible says that he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He does not need your money. He does not need your talent. He does not need your time. God does not need this man to stand up here. He chooses to allow me to. It's all his. So all I'm doing is being a good steward with God's money and having great balance in my life and saying, God, you can have back. But listen, this is the deal. Like, this is what I'm saying about tension. Like, how can I give God something that's already his? I'm just being, I'm just being obedient and excited that I get to be a part of what God is doing. This is part about what we are full points. I get to do this. This is amazing. A hundred percent, listen to this carefully, and if you walk out of the, here and don't believe this, well, then you've missed the point of what your life is here for. A hundred percent of you is to glorify God a hundred percent. And that means with everything that you are, with all of you, and including your finances. But that's just part of it. The minute that I say, I have to give God some, you miss the point that it's all his anyway, and you're not giving him anything. 
You get to be faithful and give him some. If you're holding on to your stuff, it has you surrounded and in captivity. You're in that jail that we talked about a few weeks, and that is your trap. And it doesn't, again, it doesn't have to be money. It's any of your things. It's believing that you have to do great things. This is such a big tension in my life. Because I've always, for some reason, believed that it's me. That I have to do it. That, God, I'm not meeting up with those people out there. No, it's all him in me. And I just have to walk in faith and step and say, yes, I'll follow wherever you go. I don't know where it leads. It's not always safe. Sometimes it really stinks. Sometimes life is really hard. Sometimes God puts you through really difficult things that, that you don't know where to turn. But it's about obeying in my will and saying, God, replace my will with your will. Put it in there, and I'll go wherever you want me to go. Do whatever you want me to do. It's all yours anyway. And then it becomes like a competition in your life. How can I outgive God? I want to try really hard. I want to do whatever I can to outgive God. And you find out you can't. It's all his. And it's so awesome. I get to do more. We try so hard. It's not a tax. Listen to me carefully. It's not a tax. In the Old Testament, if, if we were Jewish, you had three 10% taxes. One of them was to the temple to pay off God's temple. They cost billions of dollars to build. You gave it back. That was what the tithe was. Today, I believe that's a benchmark to go by. Do I, am I saying it's not biblical? No, I, I think that's good. But it's not a tax. It's not what holds you down. It's what we get to do for God. Stop letting it be a tax in your life. Stop making it, oh, I hate this. I don't want to give to God. Am I telling you we don't need your money? No, I'm telling you that we need money to survive, certainly. But we don't need your money. We don't want something from you. We, just like God, want something for you. And if you hold on to everything that you are, and you never let God look at you and say, I can use you. I can change the world with you. Then what we do is we cling to what we think is ours, and it's not ours anyway. And we, I'm telling you, we'll never get it. We'll never get it. As long as we cling to our stuff, our lives, our time, we'll never get it. Why? Because he first loved me. And because he first loved me, I love him and I love you. And because he first served me, every good gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of lights. And because he first served me, I serve back. I give back. I love back. And it's all, it's all, it's all a response to what he's done in my life. If it's not a response to what he's done in your life, then stop. I'm encouraging you to stop giving. Stop giving if it's not a response of love. Because guys, reluctant giving is never going to get a blessing. And listen, this is what I said last night with some friends. I feel like if we do the things that we do so that we get a blessing, we'll never get the blessing. And if we do the things we do because we get to, we'll get the blessing. Doesn't that stink? Like it seems so frustrating. I want to do the things that I do so I get a blessing. But the minute that I don't care about the blessing anymore, which is the favor from God pouring down on my life, me being overflowed because of his love, well, the minute that I stop caring, say, God, I just want you to fill me. I just want you to fill my life. I just want to change the world with you. Whatever that means, wherever I go, it's not, I know it's not always safe, but it's good. I want to follow you. Well, at that moment, then he pours his blessings down on me. And, and the Bible says that it's generous blessings, generous favor in my life. Well, that's tough. Like when we want the wrong thing, it's never going to happen. And we want what God wants for our life. When we, when we line our will up with his will, then, then he pours down on us. Does that mean we're going to be rich? No. Not necessarily. It means that, that, 
that God will show favor on our lives and he will elevate us because we can handle the elevation. Honest to goodness, right now in my life, as he is changing me, and I'm in the process of major changes in my life, if God elevated me right now, I would take the glory. What I want for my life and what I want for your life is that we will so line ourselves up with God that we will be able to handle elevation from God and not believe that it's about us, but it's truly about him. Until that happens, it is a curse. It is a curse. And that is so what I want for my life. It's to believe that it's really all God's anyway. And it's such a frustration of mine that I still, after being educated and after knowing these things, that I still believe that I have to do good things and I have to do enough. You don't have to do anything. God loves you so much that we can't possibly comprehend it. And it's just about my will lining up with his. Next verse. This is the last two verses, then we're done. For everyone who has been born of God, what's that word? Say it loud. Overcomes. That's the goal today, right? Say it again loud. Say overcomes. overcomes. You have overcome the world, took the keys from death and hell. Now joining heaven, we declare you're greater. And everyone who is born of God, is that you? Every single one of you that is born of God overcomes the world you don't have to try to overcome the world you don't have to hope you overcome the world you have overcome the world because Jesus placed the Holy Spirit inside of you because you trusted him every one of us that know Jesus we overcome we already did win the win is done I don't have to do it anymore Mark stop being ignorant stop being stubborn the win is there Honestly, just want to put myself in timeout like I have to do hasten and say, stop overthinking the room. Believe what you know. It's not about you at all. He doesn't need me, but he's for me, and he'll never leave me, and he wants what's best for me, and he wants my life to count, but it will only count. When I believe the victory is already won and I don't have to do the victory, I line myself up with him. I get a ring, and the ring is not with little fake diamonds and this warrior thing. It's the king's ring. It's his signet. It's world-changing. It's having all of him become all of me. So that when people see me, they don't see Mark, and this crazy dude that talks loud and gets angry and sins, it keeps falling back. Am I not going to do those things? Of course I'm going to keep doing those things. I'm a man. But my definition is not about what I do. Am I tall enough? Am I short enough? People walk in, they laugh at me. There's no way he can be a pastor. It doesn't matter if they laugh. I'm about us. And we're about him. And we're about changing the world. We don't care what they think. We don't care what they say. We don't care if they believe we're strong enough. We know that we can do it. And it's not because of us inside of us. It's because we've already overcome. We have Jesus. And this, this is the victory, that first song that the band sang. This is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Didn't I say what you do and how awesome you are? No, sir. Your faith, your faith, your faith, your faith. That is the victory. Placing my trust and hope in Jesus. That's the engine that drives us to victory. That is why we have hope. Our faith. 
Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Who is it? And I guess I would ask the question if I was John and I was writing it like this. What is it in your life that you're trying to find victory in other than Jesus? Because at the point that I don't place everything in him and rest in him and say, God, in my circumstances, instead of telling you when I pray how big my problems are, how big my circumstances are, and how big my issues are, I'm going to start telling my problems, circumstances, and issues how big my God is. I believe you've already overcome I believe you've taken away the sin of the world. I believe you took the keys of death and hell. You are the overcomer. You're greater. And I believe that. I believe that. I believe that. And today, God, in all of me, I will place all of me in all of you. Replace what I am with you. It doesn't matter what you've done in your past. Think of the worst thing ever. It doesn't matter. All that matters is I align myself up with him. And it doesn't matter if you're doing great things that is awesome, but it's only so we, because we get to, not because we have to. And when that takes place in my life, then I start telling God how big God is, how big he is, and thanking him and rejoicing and then start telling my sins the promises of God. I don't care what you say. My God is for me. He'll never leave me. He'll never turn his back on me. He goes before me. He stands behind me. He's on either side of me and his hand is on my head. I know that God is for me. I'm not worried about what things happen in my life. I'm not worried about what people say in my life because I believe that I already win in Jesus. You see, overcoming, overcoming is not about, it's not about what I do. But it's about obedience of my will rather than relying on my skill. It only happens when my will gets replaced with his. When God looks down on me and I say, Jesus, I'm a sinner that is rotten. I try so hard to do it on my own, man. Remember, I've done it with good intentions. Y'all remember that one? I've done it with good intentions and I've really wanted to change. So I've wanted to change God in my life. I've really wanted to change. I want to change so bad. He's like, stop trying to change, man. I've got you. You don't have to clean up to come to God. You can't clean up to come to God. One sin, he can't even look at you. But the minute that I repent and say, God, replace what I am with what you are, the worst circumstances in the world, no matter what you're going through, no matter how hard your life is or no matter how much you don't believe God can change the world with you, you then realize it's not about you anyway. And it's all about this, placing your hope in him, allowing him to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you of that nastiness that is you. The wretched man is me, but the righteous man is Jesus in me. And that is what defines Mark Pangle. It is not about what I do good or what I do bad. It is about what he is inside of me that defines me. The moment that that is the reality in my life, there's nothing stopping us. Listen, the rings are already on our finger. The king's ring's already on our finger if we know Jesus. We have to decide for ourselves if we will change the world or if we'll keep believing the lies that the devil's told us once and we've told ourselves thousands of times, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough. Guys, I'm telling you, you can leave here today a champion, a champion by believing that his will, when it replaces mine, I've already overcome. And the question for you today is one, have you ever trusted Jesus Christ as your savior? Because only you know that. 
Only you know if, if the hate that you have in your heart and whatever happens, if it's been replaced by love and if darkness has been replaced by light and if all these other things have been replaced and if they haven't, then placing your hope in Jesus is what you must do. And if you've ever done that and you've ever meant it in your heart, you never have to do it again. But if you've fallen down, get back up and keep following Jesus. Will you bow your heads with me? With every head bowed and eye closed. I just want to ask you, Pastor Mark, the truth is, man, I've never trusted Jesus as Savior, never placed my faith in Him, which is the picture of sitting down in a chair and resting in Him. He is Lord, and I'm not. And at the moment that I make Him Lord of every single thing of my life and ask Him to forgive me and believe that He died on the cross and rose again, I believe that when we call on His name, we are saved based on Scripture in Romans and several other places in the Bible. And I want to know, is that you this morning? Pastor Mark, I have never been saved. I have never been saved. And the reason I haven't had victory in my life is because I don't know him. In just a second, what I want you to do, just as high as you can, just raise your hand up and say, Pastor Mark, I know I need that. I'm so tired of feeling defeated. And the way I have victory in my life is placing my trust in Jesus. If that's you right now, wherever you are, I want you to slip your hand up and say, Pastor Mark, that's me. Thank you. Keep it up. Keep it up. Who else? Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. Who else? Who else? Who else? Who else would say, Pastor Mark, that's me. I know that I've never truly trusted Christ as my Savior and Lord. And right now, that is what I need. That is what I need. That is what I need. I need to trust Him as Savior. That is what I need right now. I need to trust Jesus as Savior. Hey, I'm going to keep you with your heads bowed and eyes closed for one more second. How many of you guys... And I'm asking you to be honest if you're 75 or if you're 13. How many of you guys honestly feel defeated in your lives? And today you want to walk out of here with victory. You're saved. But man, you really don't feel like you're an overcomer. That God is doing great things in your life and you want to change the world. And you know that it's you lining up your heart and allowing him to replace what you are with what he is. You don't have to change. He changes you from the inside out. Just slip your hand up if that's you right now. Slip your hand up if that's you right now. Hands all over the room. Thank you. God, this morning, you know how we feel. God, if anyone needed this message, it's Mark Pangle. God, I I don't know why I continue to try to be good enough or do good enough things or give enough money or read the Bible enough. God, what an opportunity it is every day that I get to do these things. God, at the moment that you change me from I have to to I get to. I don't hold on to my stuff and reluctantly not do it, but God, I realize that every good gift comes from you, that all of my stuff is yours, and that this is such an opportunity that I get to give back through your church so that we can change the world with my time, talents, and resources. You don't need them, but you choose to use them. God, I'm grateful that you entrust me and all of us with your good gifts. It's all yours anyway, God, and we trust you with them. Amen. Will you stand with me? Will you stand with me? Guys, our goal for you, our goal for you is that you'll leave here and we'll change the world. And that will happen when we believe in our hearts that it's not about what we do, it's not about what we say, It's not about what we give. It's not about our time. 
It's about what he's done inside of me. And as a result of what he's done, I do it back. At that moment, guys, we cannot be overthrown. There's nothing that can happen that can overthrow us like Acts chapter 5 says. If it's of God, nothing, nothing can happen. If it's of man, it will be revealed. And so we love you. We're for you. And we want what's best for you. I hope y'all have a great week. Don't forget, if you have offering, all the offering boxes and the giving kiosk, you can give it as we leave. I love you guys. Let's, let's finish in worship. And let's really worship. We get to worship. We don't have to worship.